Sunday school hour, they're going to be giving a more detailed presentation with some pictures about their ministry in Germany. And then following the Sunday school hour, there will be a German lunch served in the ministry center. And that's open to everyone uh, to, to stick around, enjoy lunch, and another free will offering will be taken during the lunch to support their ministry. So I encourage you to stick around, hear about what they're, uh, what they're doing in Germany and all of that, and then stick around for lunch and have a time of fellowship where we can further show our support to them uh, by collecting the free will offering there. We do want to extend our love and sympathy to the family of Lillian Werwell, who entered into Christ's care on Tuesday, March 14th. She was 90 years old. The flowers here by the altar were, let, were given by her family in her memory. And one more quick announcement. Uh, there is no uh, adult Sunday school class, the one that Aaron Rohrball leads this morning. It'll resume again next week. So now I encourage you to take a moment and greet your neighbors as we begin our service. Good morning once again, and welcome to our worship service here at First Church in New Knoxville. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the radio and watching online. If you're able, I invite you to stand and join us in our call to worship. It is from Psalm 150. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now let's do what the psalm encourages us to do and praise the Lord together. Our first song is number 262 in the blue hymnals. Holy, holy, holy.
seated. At this time, it's my pleasure to introduce Doug and Kathy McLean and have them come forward. I'm very excited for, uh, well, excited to see you again. It's always good to have you guys here, but also exciting to hear about what God has been doing in and through you and your ministry in Germany. And so welcome uh, and so glad you guys are here. Morning, or Guten Morgen, or in Felsisch, which is our dialect, Moise. Imagine trying to learn German, coming back from classes, and you're telling everybody, Guten Morgen, and you're getting back, Moise. What is that? That's my first year. <laughs> so we are, as most of you know, a lot of you know, we are Doug and Kathy McLean. And uh, we're serving in Germany. And before we get going, I just want to thank you guys. This, you guys are a special family for us, not just because Kathy taught school here, but you guys have embraced us and just, um, you're almost like ascending church for us. And we just appreciate that, all that you've done. So anyway, we're serving in Germany. We live in Pirmesen, which is like 10 minutes from uh, France. And uh, we're serving a church there. When we first got there, it was like um, low to mid-30s. Then we got up to middle 40s, and then COVID hit, and we went back into the teens and 20s. And we're presently uh, seeing um, 40s quite often, so as membership, so, or in, uh, on Sunday mornings. Um, but anyway, we, uh, we, uh, since we've been there, We've been uh, wearing many hats uh, as we serve. For example, when when we first (coughs) arrived there, I plunged myself into the children's ministry there. We started an after-school program on Monday nights for children in elementary school where they'd come and they would play games and teach them a lesson and do a craft or something and help them with their homework. Um, that also took a hit after COVID. Uh, we had to close that down, and then the workers had moved on to other things, and so that hasn't taken uh, come back up. That was a, a hit for COVID. I uh, work with the children on our Sunday mornings, and I oversee getting people for the, our children's church. Um, then we also had a ladies' Bible study that began when we first arrived there. When COVID came, we couldn't meet anymore, and most of the women were um, my age or a little older, and they didn't—they weren't working women, but they didn't understand how to use a cell phone very well, and so we couldn't actually get into the technology to meet online for our ladies' Bible study, and so that took a hit from COVID also. My main ministry, though, as soon as we got there, probably within four months, I began working with refugees, teaching them the German language. Um, they were coming in from all over the all over the world, and they needed to learn the German language in order to integrate into the society there. And uh, when I when when we first uh, arrived in Germany, um, of course, Kathy had been the German teacher here for many years, and I really didn't know any German, uh, so I had to start taking classes. The first thing that uh, I was uh, that I needed to do for like the first three years was study German, get get to know that, and uh, then is at, at the same time work two days on the building project in Kuzel, which is where you saw Michael. That's where he's from. By the way, Michael was our um, 
he was with ABWE along with us, and uh, he's he's he was uh, a boss over the entire German field. Now he's cut it down to just uh, Kuzel and the the ministry there, as well as the six churches, which we are one of those that work with him. So he's kind of our boss, you might say. Um, and uh, so that I began doing that. And then uh, finally I got to a point where I was, I was placed in church leadership in Pirmasens. And I began, uh, I was tasked with beginning a Friday uh, afternoon, evening, uh, international cafe. And, the, and uh, since 2014, the end of 2014, we've seen a lot of, of uh, especially Middle Eastern at that time, uh, refugees come in. So this was an attempt for us to try to reach out to them. It did not go very well. Um, we couldn't really get it up and running. We were get, having some success, but um, trouble yeah, trouble finding them in our city. Um, like in Kuzel, they have a camp, the old uh, German military camp, army camp, I believe it is. And we had an American camp, but it's apartments now um, because it's no longer there. And so there's no camp for them. They're spread all over the city. And just like here, Germans like their privacy, so they're not going to tell us who these people are or where they are. So we, had a, we struggled with that. Uh, but, again, COVID kind of wiped that out as well. Um, seeing a theme here with a couple of these. Uh, but, um, well, let's, let's – I'm going to get to the we, – we, we, started it up again, but let me talk in order here. Uh, after that, I began to lead church work, uh, services, not a worship leader like songs, but more like an MC uh, once a month. And about every two or three months, uh, I, I actually uh, get to preach in German. I still have to read it all. I'm not good enough to just stand up and off the cuff like this. So, um, Then in uh, last year, 2022, about this time, we began an English Bible study. It was encouraged by a couple of women, especially one woman in our Pyramidsons Church, and it's been pretty successful. Um, we'll talk about that later, too. Uh, also, in October, we began a game night. Some of Kathy's students, was uh, we suggested something about, hey, let's do a game night on a Friday night. So usually the third, actually it was this past Friday, the third Friday of each month, we set up a game night from then till Friday, and uh, it's been very successful. This is more of a generic. We were trying to push getting the uh, Friday night cafe going. This kind of came about organically, you might say, um, uh, and it's been very successful. We've we bonded with these people. Mainly, it's Afghani. Uh, people who are, are coming, Muslims primarily. So uh, we bonded with them. We're, we we consider them friends at this point, and uh, we'll we'll do more um, when we go back. But we began to pray, especially with the uh, 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 Friday night game night with the refugees. We began to pray, saying, "God, what do you want us to do? We're going to be gone five months." We turned some of our ministries over to other people. And as a missionary, 
you don't take them back. You're trying to work yourself out of a job so that they start doing the work you're doing. So, you know, those are gone. But um, God laid on our hearts a couple of things. Um, and one of the things that I was really praying hard for was, okay, we're, we're working with these uh, Afghani refugees. Um, and <clears throat> at what point, how do we continue uh, going forward? How do we turn that corner to spiritual things? And so um, <clears throat> I think that God gave us the answer recently. And uh, that's what we're gearing up for for when we go back. The ministry is going to change slightly. It's more of a focus than actually changing the ministry. One of the things that we have seen is there have been a lot of refugees in Pyramusins where we live who will tell other refugees about the language classes. And so on any day that I'm teaching, a new refugee will appear and I need to try to put them into this class that I've already maybe gotten halfway through the book and now they're, they're coming and they want to start learning German. And so it seems like every other week we're getting new people. And so this is a good thing. We see that we need now sharing this ministry with other refugees, Afghani refugees or Iranian refugees. And so we'll be starting to work more with the refugees in our hometown of Pirmesan. Yeah, Kathy's been working in Kuzel too, but we're going to focus more on Pirmesan. It's time to really try to hit Pirmesan's harder. And the other thing is um, we want to expand the English Bible study. You know, it's just been within our church, but there's a lot of English speakers and Germans who like to brush up on their English, who I think, and uh, some of the people in the church have encouraged us this way too, they think that we could get more people out. And uh, so we're going to expand the English Bible study as well. And as far as for the uh, 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 refugees, almost said Fluklinger, that comes to mind the German word uh, before the English anymore. Yeah. But uh, um, we're going to start, a, 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 I don't want to say a class, but a study that's going to, they've been through so much trauma in their lives. Imagine, uh, they had to flee for their lives, most uh, many of them, um, from uh, their own homeland. Uh, some of these Afghanis, you remember, a year and a half ago, what was happening there when the Taliban came in, and they were they were fleeing for their lives, and so most of these Afghanis came then, and uh, so they were, you know, the, the 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 conflict there in their own home homeland, and then just getting to east or to Western Europe, which is where they all came. Um, it's very difficult. Um, they they probably they uh, most of these. People, we hear their stories, and they're tormented along the way. Then they get to Germany. You got a whole new culture. Nobody a, does red tape like Germany. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's we we think we have red tape. That's nothing like Germany. But even so, just to fit into a new culture is traumatic, especially when it's so different from your own, and the language is different. So these guys have had a lot of trauma, and. Uh, so, with that in mind, and then expanding the English Bible study, we're hoping to, to get more people through the church. So, so 
Yeah, we want to thank you for all that you do for us, and we appreciate you much. Very, very um, grateful. So, and we're we're fully committed uh, to this plan that God has given us to the end of 2025, and then we'll see what happens. So, we have a, a, a financial need. Is you guys have been talking about that uh, right now, and we need to. to um, to have monthly support or a lump sum support that will get us through to the end of 2025. Um, and um, that's our finance, That's our need right now. That's our commitment. God has given us this vision. we got two and a half years we're going to implement it, and hopefully we can lay it in someone else's lap by then. So, um, But that's what we're looking at. Thank you. Oh, don't don't go running off here. Got to pray for you. Yeah, I just want to reiterate what they what they just said. You know, uh, we of course when we hear from missionaries, we talk about two ways that we can support them. One is financially, which is a need of every missionary. You know, they have to raise their own support to make sure that they have what they need to continue the work that God has placed on their heart. And so there there are different ways that you guys can give. Today is actually the offering was for you guys. It just worked out great that you could be here on the day that we have the offering. That doesn't always work out for missionaries, but um, so the offering today, if you don't designate it for another purpose, will go towards Doug and Kathy and their ministry. I mentioned already the lunch after the Sunday school hour today. We're going to collect another free will offering there. So, you know, instead of going out to lunch somewhere else today, if you want to stay here and maybe give to them what you may have paid for lunch somewhere else, that's an opportunity as well. Um, and then also just individually, if anybody feels led to support them on a regular basis, they, they can share information about how to do that as well. So finances is one thing, but then the other thing is prayer. Um, and, and I'm sure you will, you'll second this, but even more important than finances is that prayer support for them, for their ministry, for the people they work with. And so uh, we're going to pray for them now, and I encourage you to join me as I pray for them. Yeah. And if anyone would like to be on our newsletter, we have a quarterly newsletter that comes out usually, sometimes a little more than that. Okay. And uh, it has our prayer requests and everything on it. News. Uh, just see us and we can put you on there. Yep, and that's a great way to stay updated with what you guys are doing too. Great. Well, let's. I, I invite you to pray with me as I pray for Doug and Kathy. Father God, I thank you for Doug and Kathy and their ministry. Thank you for them as individuals, Lord. It's been a blessing uh, to get to know them personally, to spend time with them and to hear how you have been working in and through their lives. I ask now that you continue to bless them, Lord, and provide for them. Uh, financially, Lord, I pray that they would have the resources they need to continue to serve you, Lord. They just said they have a, a, a goal of, of staying in the ministry at least through the end of 2025. And so I pray, Lord, that through our giving today and other support that they're able to garner for themselves, Lord, that you would provide for them to, to finish well and finish out this calling you've placed on their lives. And Lord, if it goes beyond that, if, if there's more, if, if that you are going to continue to use them, Lord, we ask for your continued provision for whatever time they have remaining, Lord, in the mission field. But more than finances, Lord, we ask that you would support them in the work that they do uh, with the German people, with these refugees, uh, with the language classes, Lord. Um, we just ask that, that you would continue to open doors and provide opportunities for them to help those in need, um, as Doug was saying, to, that are going through very difficult circumstances. And I pray that in and through those classes, Lord, and those opportunities, they would have that 
they would have that opportunity to share the good news of the gospel, share the hope with those people um, that they're working with. So we thank you, Lord, for their ministry and all that they're doing and pray for your continued blessing in their lives and that you would empower them and equip them through your Holy Spirit to do the work you're calling them to do. And Lord, as we, as we pray now, we also want to lift up other prayers and concerns. We ask for comfort for uh, those who've lost loved ones recently, and we ask for healing for those who are in need, Lord. Uh, Lord, we, have, uh, we know there are needs right here in our very own church family and our community, and so we lift them up to you, Lord. You know what those needs are. You know what, what, uh, what is lacking and what is needed, and so we ask that you would work in and through those situations as well. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Yep. Well, I think you, uh... You're going to stay up here for something, right? So at this time, I want to invite Adam forward as well. We have an uh, opportunity here. Um, we're going we're gonna to sing Amazing Grace as a congregation, but Kathy's going to help us out here a little bit. Uh, we're going to sing verses 1, 3, and 4 together in English as a congregation, and Kathy's going to help us out by singing the second verse in German. Um, I thought this was a really great idea when it was first presented. Um, honestly, it reminds me of the, the passage in Revelation about you know, every people from every tribe, nation, and tongue worshiping God together. And, uh, and we're going to get an opportunity to experience that in a very real way by hearing this song sung both in English and in German. So I do want to invite you to sing uh, the first and the third and the fourth verses with us in English. And, uh, and Kathy will sing the second one. And sing it if you know German, she said. Yeah. So if you know the German, feel free to sing the second verse too. But the words are in your bulletin. So um, join us as we sing Amazing Grace together.
may be seated, and if the children can come forward for the children's chat, please. Good morning. How's everyone? Good. Did you have a good week? Yeah. Good morning. Still see a few more. Oh, there's some back there. Oh, even more. Man, you guys are just coming out of the woodwork. That's awesome. Okay, so I have something special to show you. This is one of, my mom gave this to me as a gift. And I think I would consider it one of the most special gifts I've ever received. Um, And my mom at Christmas gave me this ring. And in the middle of this ring is a diamond. And that diamond belonged to my great-grandmother. And I've never met my grandmother, or great-grandmother, but I've heard that she's really, really special. And so my mom had this ring made with her diamond in it um, so that I could have a little piece of her. And so do you think I'd ever sell this? No, I wouldn't. Why? Because it's so special. Yes, it's kind of like a prized possession, you know? You never get rid of those things. Do you have something that you would never, ever get rid of? A necklace from your teacher, that's really special. What else? God and Jesus, they are our most prized possessions, right? A necklace with a stone from the Mediterranean? Whoa, what do you have? Does anybody have like a stuffed animal that they love or a blanket that you sleep with? Your brother, you don't want to get rid of your brother. That's a good thing. (laughs) So let me ask you this. If a friend came to your house and said, I want that necklace or that blanket that's really special or whatever it is, would you give it to him? No? Well, today in our Bible story, a woman named Mary gave away a prized possession to Jesus. So one day Jesus went to the city of Bethany and the That was the city where a man named Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus did that, right? And so he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. You might have heard of them before. And so while Jesus was there, they had a dinner given in his honor. And so everyone was kind of eating. People were listening to him, all that stuff. And um, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as she was sitting there, she did something kind of strange. She took a a very expensive bottle of perfume and she began to pour it on Jesus' head and wash his feet with it. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Big bottle of perfume and washing Jesus with it. And um, then she dried her feet, his feet with her hair. It's a little strange, right? And so the Bible tells us that the house was filled with the sweet smell of perfume. And so one of Jesus' disciples, a guy named Judas, you guys know Judas? Yep. Um, he was really upset that Mary was doing this. And he said, what a waste. That perfume could have been sold, and that money could have been given to the poor. Because that perfume was so expensive, it was worth a whole year of their, their wages. So she had to save up a lot of money to buy this perfume, right? Um, and the problem was, is Judas wasn't really worried about the poor. He just was kind of worried more about money. Um, and so Jesus said to him, leave her alone. She has kept this perfume for the day of my burial. 
And Jesus said that because he knew in a few days that he would be going to the cross and he would die on the cross for us, right? Um, And I don't know if Mary knew what was going on or not. I think she did. Um, But Mary wanted to give Jesus the very best that she could. She knew that she had this perfume and she knew that that perfume was so special and that she wanted to give it to Jesus because Jesus was so, so special. She, it was the very best that she had to offer. So what do you think we could offer Jesus? What's the best thing you could give to Jesus? Love, yep. Prayers, yes. What about yourself? You think you could give yourself to Jesus, have a relationship with him? That's the best thing you can give to him, right? Huh? You can tell him stories? Absolutely. Give him a snack. Maybe he's hungry. (laughs) So there's a lot of things that we can do to show Jesus our love, right? And all he asks, all he really wants is our hearts. He just wants a relationship with us because he loves us so much. So you think we can give him that? I think so. I think so. Maybe that this week you can think of different ways that you can um, serve him or love him this week, okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you just want a relationship with us, Lord, that you want our hearts. Um, and Lord, I ask that we would give those to you, Lord, that we would give, uh, give you our lives because you are worthy of everything that we could ever give you, Lord. Um, we thank you so much for who you are and for all that you've done for us. We love you. Amen. Have a good week, guys. Thanks, Pastor Tori. You guys can head back to your seats. I already mentioned this, but just to remind you, our offering this morning does go to support Doug and Kathy McLean and their work in Germany. Um, So I encourage you, as the deacons come forward to collect the offering, to give as you feel led to give today. And we know the money is going to be used for a good purpose um, and furthering the work that they do there in Germany that you heard about already today. For our offertory music this morning, we invite you to sing number 233 with us in the blue hymnals. Um, The song is Alleluia, sing number 233. Oh. 
If you're able, please remain standing for our gospel reading this morning from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in, her, in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. The word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, we come to you again here this morning in prayer, thanking you and praising you for your word and the opportunity to worship you together this morning. I pray now that as we turn our attention more fully to your word in Mark chapter 14, that you give, uh, that you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the hearts and minds of all those who are listening here in the sanctuary, as well as those on the radio and watching online. May you work in us what is good and pleasing to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Remember when I was in, when I was younger in youth group, there was a song that we would sing every once in a while called The Heart of Worship. And the first verse and chorus goes like this. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I think that song perfectly captures what we're going to be talking about here today. In fact, I stole the title of my sermon from this song, calling it the heart of worship, because what this woman did for Jesus on that day, I think there's a lot we can learn from about what it means to worship Christ and to really worship him in our hearts and, and not be worried about what other people think or what else is going on, but getting back to what worship really means. And so that's what we want to talk about here today. You've heard the story read for you. You heard Pastor Tori in the children's chat kind of set it up, but just to remind you of what's happening here in Mark chapter 14, this is Jesus having a meal with a lot of people. In fact, it says that they're gathered at the home of a man named Simon the leper. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, right, uh, it'd be quite an interesting nickname for someone to earn, right, to be called Simon the leper. 
Now, we can gather that he was most likely a person who had leprosy and was likely healed by Jesus during his ministry, or else nobody would be gathering at his house, right? Lepers were, leprosy was a very contagious disease, and people who contracted leprosy were forced into exile, into quarantine, if you want to call it that, and uh, were forced to stay away from others. And so for them to be at a man's house named Simon the leper, it's likely that this is a person who had been healed by Jesus during his ministry, and out of his gratitude and and out of thanks and, uh, and to and others as well. And while they're there, this woman, who the other Gospels identify as Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, comes in and, and takes this alabaster jar of perfume and breaks it and anoints Jesus with that oil. See, that act of worship, it spurs on a conversation here about what what this all means, the, the people that are gathered there, the disciple, the other gospels say the disciples and even identify Judas Iscariot, rebuke her for the waste, but Jesus says that she has done something beautiful. Again, she is worshiping Christ, and we can learn a lot from her. And so there's a few things that I want to highlight for you from this. First of all, the heart of worship is about Christ-centered worship. God alone is worthy of all of our praise and worship and honor that we can give. And Jesus, because he is the Son of God, is worthy of that worship as well. But the, New Test- the, the whole Bible, but it's, and even the New Testament, make it clear that only God deserves our worship and our praise. There are several spots in the New Testament where someone or something other than God is worshipped, and they immediately respond by telling the person to stop and to get up. Twice in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John bows down to worship the angel, but both times the angel tells him to get up and worship God instead. When Peter arrives at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 11, Cornelius bows before Peter in reverence, and Peter tells him to get up. And Paul and Barnabas were once mistaken for the Greek god Zeus and Hermes, and the people there began to worship them. And once again, they tell the people to stop, that they are just mere human beings like them, not worthy of worship and praise. So with that in mind, it's interesting here that Jesus doesn't turn this woman away, right? Jesus doesn't say, like Peter, like Paul and Barnabas, like even the angel in Revelation, he doesn't say, no, stop what you're doing, this isn't right. He receives her worship because he is the Son of God who is worthy of our praise. He even says that what she does is a beautiful thing. So our worship is, is meant to be Christ-centered. In particular, it's a, with a particular focus on the cross. Jesus points out here that what she's done is, is preparing him for his burial. In the timeline of events in the gospel, we are right before the crucifixion. It says just two days before uh, the Passover, Right, Jesus is about, and and it's at the Passover that Jesus is crucified. So we are just days and hours away from that event. You see, Jesus is glorified precisely because he was willing to die for us. And we see that highlighted in Scripture. For example, in Philippians chapter 2, in the great Christ hymn, In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, it says this, 
who being a very nature God, this is Christ, of course, who being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, it says in verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, verse 9 says, therefore, because Jesus was willing to go to the cross, because he humbled himself even to the point of, of death for us, he is worthy of our worship and praise. And again, we see a similar statement in Revelation chapter 5. This is the Apostle John getting a glimpse at the worship that is happening in heaven. And in verse, uh, beginning of verse 9, this is, I should say in verse 6, he sees the Lamb appearing as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the living creatures and the elders. And then in verse 9, it says they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God peoples from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them into the kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And Jesus is worthy of our praise precisely because he gave himself over for us. So, the heart of worship is really about giving Christ the honor and glory that he deserves. Now, there's two traps that we as fallible human beings can fall into when it comes to worship, right? One is obvious, and then one is maybe not so obvious. First of all, one trap we may fall into is the temptation to worship other gods besides Jesus. And we see that throughout Scripture, that God's people constantly were tempted to worship idols, to turn away from the one true God and worship what was man-made. That's why God told them to remove idols from their midst or else they'd be tempted to follow them instead of the Lord. And that's exactly what happened to them over and over again. And we may think that idol worship, as it's described in the Old Testament, is, is a silly problem to have to deal with, but we struggle with it ourselves today too. We don't have golden calves and Asherah poles, but we have plenty of other things that we elevate to a position of worship. Social media, money, materialism, even sports itself can become idols in our lives if we're not careful. And so the obvious trap that we can fall into is to worship things that are not Christ, are not worthy of our worship. But there's another trap that maybe isn't so obvious, and that trap is, to, is the temptation to pursue the feeling or the experience of worship rather than worshiping Jesus himself. Maybe you've attended a worship service here or elsewhere, and you got that feeling, right, of, of uh, a little bit of like a, a worship high, if I can say that, right? You just felt close to the Lord. You felt good, and, and it was an experience that you then want to recreate. And so you go and you try to, you try to recreate the experience or recreate the feeling of worship rather than focusing on Jesus himself. When I was serving as a youth pastor, we would take the kids to a, a week-long summer camp every year, and, and it was great times of worship. The kids loved it. It was really encouraging, and they always wanted to go back home and try to recreate what happened at camp. 
They wanted to have that same feeling once again that they had when they were away at camp. But every year, it inevitably happened that they would fail to recreate, and then they kind of bottom out, right? They felt distant from God because what they were pursuing was the experience of worship, the feeling of worship, rather than keeping Christ at the center where he belongs. And so sometimes we do fall into that trap of making worship about the feeling or the experience or even our own personal preferences, such as music style or preferred preacher, rather than about Christ himself. But when this woman entered the room, she went right to Jesus, right? She went right to him, and he was the object of her worship. So the first part of what it means to have a heart of worship is to make sure that our worship is Christ-centered. The next thing we learn from this woman's act is that worship itself should be costly and extravagant. The perfume that the woman used to anoint Jesus was extremely valuable. The text says that it could have been sold for a year's worth of wages. Now, just out of curiosity, I looked up what the median income, median individual income in the state of Ohio, according to the 2020 census, was $31,000. So just taking that perfume might have been worth, in today's standard, $31,000. And yet she broke it, poured it over Jesus' head because she felt that he was worth everything. You see, Jesus is worth the best that we can give him. He gave us everything, infinitely more than we could ever give back to him. And so we ought to give him everything that we can. That last line of a last verse of Amazing Grace that we sang earlier today, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Right? 10,000 years of worship will only scratch the surface. We, can, we will spend eternity returning the favor for what Jesus has done for us. You guys have probably heard the term Sunday best, right? It's about you know, putting on your nicest clothes, looking good for the Lord. And I want you to rethink what Sunday best means, though. It's not about the clothes you wear or not about looking your best. It's not about any sort of outward or external appearance, but it's about a matter of our hearts. The best thing that we can give to the Lord, as Pastor Tori highlighted for us earlier, is our hearts, is ourselves, a full and total commitment to Him. It's not about the amount that we're able to give, but it's about the attitude with which we give it. Just a few chapters earlier in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, Jesus and His disciples were in the temple and they were watching people give their offerings. And many wealthy people came by and gave pretty extravagant gifts into the offering. But the disciples and Jesus noticed that a poor widow came and just put two copper coins in, all that she had. And Jesus reminded his disciples that she gave more than all the others that day because they had given out of their access. She gave out, she gave everything that she had. Again, when we talk about giving back to Jesus, it's not about the amount, it's about the attitude that we give it with. Now we can't move on without also noting what the, what the other disciples in the crowd there said about uh, what could have been done with that money. And as we think about this, we need to remember that Jesus' attitude here is, is, a, is not, it is both and, not either or. See, Jesus does care for the poor, and we should too. In fact, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11, 
there will always be poor people in the land. But he doesn't finish the verse. Let me finish that for you now. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I commend you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your, in your land. See, God's heart, Jesus' heart is for the poor, right? He wants us to help him. He commands us to help people who are in need. Jesus cares for the poor, so should we. But Jesus also cares about how we worship him, and so we should care about that too. For those of you who've been reading along with the Bible in the ear plan, you've, you've made it through those chapters in Exodus and Leviticus that describe in excruciating detail, right, the, the tabernacle and the furniture there and the sacrifices that were required for worship. And as I was reading through, I was reminded that the reason God put those things in such detail was because he cares about them. He cares about the way that we worship. From the location, the tabernacle, and all its detail to the very acts of worship and sacrifices that are described in Leviticus. And one thing is clear from all these books, that God is holy and we are called to approach him on his terms, not our own. So how we worship matters to God. We ought to give him our best, and the best thing that we can give him is that fully devoted heart. Again, this is a theme that runs especially throughout the prophets in the Old Testament. Hosea 6.6 6 says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. In Isaiah 29.13, the Lord says, These people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they've been taught. So we're called to worship. Give Jesus everything and help those who are in need. So what does costly worship look like today? What, is it, what does it mean for us as Christ followers to give him everything? Well, here's a couple ideas. One is that we're called to participate in worship even when it's inconvenient. We should make worship a priority in our lives. Choose to come to church on Sunday morning when maybe you'd rather sleep in. Choose church over other activities that compete for time on Sunday mornings. Make it a priority and participate even when it's inconvenient. The second thing is we can give more than just our treasure. We can give our time, our talent, and our testimony to honor God as well. The cost that is required is more than just mere finances. It should include giving those other things as well and letting God put them to use for his glory and for our good. And the third thing is that we should choose corporate worship over individual expression. Right? It's easy today with the technology that we have, right, to just kind of silo off our, our worship. We can curate playlists of worship songs that we prefer. We can even download podcasts of preachers that we prefer to listen to. But I encourage you to choose messy and imperfect relationships here in the church rather than those individualized expressions of worship. Choose corporate worship over individual expression. Worship itself is costly, and we should be willing to give Jesus everything. And finally, the last thing we learn from this woman is that worship is about an audience of one. Can you imagine the courage it took for her to walk in there and and do for Jesus what she did for him. She had no care, no concern what others were thinking. All she cared about was honoring Jesus with everything she had. 
to worship him with singular focus. Honestly, we spend way too much time thinking about what other, worrying about what other people think about us, don't we? Think about just what goes through my, be honest with me for a moment, Here, here's things that go through my head sometimes when we are worshiping together. Should I sit up or, or should I stand up or should I sit down? What if other people can hear me sing? Remember when I first moved here, I made sure the sound people knew to turn off my mic when the worship music started playing. What do I do with my hands, right? Do I raise them up? Do I put them down by my side, somewhere in between, right? Do I, what do I do with my hands during worship? And then, of course, I want to know what everybody else is doing. So I have that temptation to look around and see what else is going on. I don't want to be different. I don't want to stick out from the crowd. Those are things that go through my head during worship. But you know what I should be thinking about? I should be thinking about Jesus. I should be thinking about the cross and the empty tomb. I should be thinking about the character of God, his majesty, his glory, his beauty. I should be thinking about the words of the songs and the truth they communicate rather than those other things. See, we're called to worship for an audience of one. Worship is not a performance. It's a participation in the eternal, ongoing worship that's already taking place in heaven. We join with angels and saints when we sing praises to God. So it doesn't matter what other people think. Don't worry about the other people in the room. Don't put on a show for them, and don't be timid. Worship him as you see fit, as long as it honors him. And don't worry about the other people outside the room either. The world will always think that Christians are foolish. Ignore them. Don't let their opinions about God keep you away from worship. Can't help but uh, think about something I shared during Lil's funeral yesterday. Uh, one of the things that uh, the family shared with me when uh, she was placed on hospice, you know, they play, started playing music for her, you know, worship music in the room, help her uh, say, come shared with me that when the song How Great Thou Art came on, she raised her hand in praise while lying there in the hospital bed. She was worshiping the Lord and save her, her Lord and Savior in that moment. She didn't care about who else was in the room. She didn't care about her circumstances or situation. She was willing to praise the Lord right there, right then. And she was in his presence not long after that. So how do you set aside distractions and focus on Jesus? Well, there's some practical things that we can do, and some of these may sound silly, but I encourage you to think about them and how they can help you stay focused on him. Sometimes in worship, it's best to just close your eyes, cut out the visual distractions, focus on the words of the song or on Jesus himself so that you're not distracted by what's going on around you. Find a seat with minimal distractions. Are you worried about other people staring at you? Well, maybe sit in the back or in the balcony or off to the side. Honestly, you're probably just paranoid, right? Most people, most people aren't watching you, right? You got to kind of get, get over yourself, right? And they wouldn't care if you raised your hands or even if, you were, even if they were watching. But if it helps, find a seat that's out of the way. Or maybe like me, you're sometimes distracted by what other people are doing. And so it's best to sit up front. And I can tell you, there are plenty of seats up here if anybody wants to move forward. But when you're up front, you don't have to worry about being distracted by the other people around you because out of sight, out of mind, can focus, have an undistracted view of the cross. And the good, like I said, there's usually plenty of seats up here, so you're not fighting over the pew either. Uh, silence your phone, or better yet, just put it away. 
Yes, I know there's a Bible app. Many of you use it, and I understand that. But you know what else is on your phone? Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, right? That screen time notification that always seems to show up at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have you else get that as well? Phones can be distracting, so it's better to put them away. And finally, just meditate on the truth of Scripture. Worried about what other people think of you? Remind yourself that you are a child of God and your identity is in Him, not other people. Are you feeling condemned and burdened by the weight of your sin? Remember passages like 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Or think about what you're singing. All right, so many of the songs that we sing today come direct come directly out of Scripture. So think about the words that you're singing and, and the truth that they communicate. So what is the heart of worship? It's Christ-centered worship. It's costly and extravagant. And it's done for an audience of one. This passage begins and ends with a, with a bookend of people that have other intentions and other focus. The passage begins with the religious leader's animosity towards Jesus and it ends with Judas agreeing to betray him. And those bookends serve to highlight the devotion of this woman. The religious leaders were afraid to arrest Jesus because they worried what other people would think. But the woman was not worried about other people's opinions. Judas sought to turn Jesus in for personal gain, but the woman willingly gave up a prized possession to honor her Lord. And both the religious leaders and Judas were looking out for their own self-interest, whereas this woman only cared about glorifying and honoring Jesus. See, don't be afraid to stand out from the crowd. Don't worry about what other people think. Worship Jesus and him alone. That is the heart of worship. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And I do pray, Lord, that as we worship you today and every day, may, may our heart be in the right place and our focus beyond you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service here this morning, I invite you to stand. We're going to sing hymn number two, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.